Imagine if there was one store where we could go and purchase all the stuff we need. Not just food and clothes, everything on every list ever. So oranges, pudding, snow peas, snow tires, diapers, stamps, a pullout couch for when company sleeps over, and baby kitty cats. You might have been thinking Walmart until I mentioned kitty cats, and that's okay. I love Walmart too. I'd love it even more if they sold furry little animals, but they don't. It's probably for the best. Their tropical fish department leaves a lot to be desired. I get the impression Walmart sells pets that should probably just be fed to bigger pets. My sister and I grew up Bronx kids in the 70s. Our mother shopped in the neighborhood down Westchester Square among rows of businesses that spanned several blocks. In the building on the far corner of East Tremont Avenue was the bank. Next to that, the AMP, where we bought groceries. We went to Woolworths for underwear and socks, Tom McCann when we needed new shoes for school, and John's Bargain Store for dish rags, clothespins, and coloring books for us girls. Pizza by the slice at Tina's and maybe an Italian ice if we didn't break mom's balls while we were out. When she stopped to bullshit with whoever it was waiting on the bus or pushing a baby stroller down the street, I'd lean my forehead against the glass at the bakery fogging up the window with my breath. I drew my initials below those of certain boys I liked, inside hearts with arrows piercing through the letters. Several times a year, we journeyed to Macy's in Parkchester for curtains and other boring things. Across the street from that, Cornell's for Easter dresses. These places might as well have been in Europe, wherever that is. We were always on foot and it took forever to get there and back. As an adult, just trying to keep up in this modern world, it's no less of a challenge gathering supplies to meet the day's tasks at hand. For instance, there's the Sriracha sauce I really like. They only sell it at Trader Joe's, nowhere else. I wish this wasn't the case because the parking situation over there is an unbelievable ordeal. I blame that big greenway they got across the street for all the extra cars. Nature attracts a lot of weirdos. Cyclists, skaters, tree huggers, dog walkers, sleep-deprived moms with double strollers. None possess a social conscience when it comes to parking lot etiquette. They descend on the Trader Joe lot first thing in the morning, lock their vehicles, and head into the woods for the phenomena of the physical world. If you need Asian hot sauce on a Saturday, you better get somebody else to drive and drop you off in front of the store, circle the building, buy two bottles while you're at it, and a tub of that Mediterranean hummus they keep back near the cheese. It's so good. How about those mini desserts they bake exclusively at nothing bunt cakes? Bontinis, they're called. Once you've had a taste, you'll never eat Entenmann's cookies or donuts again. And what about edible arrangements? Instead of flowers, a bouquet made from fresh pineapple chunks and strawberries. Good luck finding fruit that tastes quite as good at the supermarket. Let's see what else. Dave orders his special ringworm soap on the internet 
From what I gather, jujitsu mats are a breeding ground for contagious skin infections. I don't think he'd mind me sharing that information with you. And if he does, too late. You already know. So there's those four powerful examples that categorically oppose the concept of one-stop shopping. We simply have access to too much stuff from too many places of origin. Relationships tend to resist this notion as well. We turn to different people for different reasons. We have life partners and children, bosses, colleagues, friends, and neighbors. Plus, there's acquaintances and total strangers everywhere. I mean, I have my Dave. He's my point person, and I love him dearly, but he can't possibly shoulder the burden of all this energy coming at him constantly. I'm gesturing to myself right now, in case you're wondering. I can be a lot. And the man deserves periodic breaks in the bangerang. Thank God for my girlfriends, my sister and kids, the dogs and folks I bump into at the Quickie Mart. On Tuesday, I went in there to get a medium sugar-free white chocolate mochaccino and some lollipops because my body is a sacred temple. The next thing I knew, I'm having a 20-minute conversation about pelicans with two guys I just met. Did you know that pelicans can and will eat pigeons? Sure, they prefer fish, but evidently whatever fits down a pelican's throat is fair game. Also, they're mouth breathers. My son Rory is a mouth breather. I sat next to him in church last Sunday. I swear it was like what I assume being trapped inside a dumpster in August smells like. I have no idea why God put the pelican whispers in my path when he did. But you see, while I'm talking to them at the register, the rest of the world gets a reprieve from me, which helps restore balance to my marriage and maybe the world. So there you go. Even more resistance to the one-size-fits-all concept. Every single day, I'm bombarded with stimulus diversions, and provocation, opportunities for caustic missteps. Decision-making is difficult for me. Everything always looks so good. I don't know, I'll just take a little of this and some of that, a few of those, and a whole lot of whatever else is left over. I want it all in endless amounts. There is no off button. Keep it coming until the world and everything in it gets to tugging at me like a clearance rack bra with shitty elastic. And what about those oversized bath towels, the ones that were so luxurious when they were new, but 2,000 showers and as many go-arounds in the washing machine later, they smell like the rodeo, even when they're clean. I hate that. When something used to work and works so well, then all of a sudden, it doesn't. You know you hate it too. Let's look at some of the possible fears lurking behind these scenarios, shall we? Do people think I'm stupid because I can't figure out how to get the stink out of my own towels? Do they think I'm cheap because I don't want to purchase new ones? Because I bought a questionable bra based on price and not quality. Why do I care so much what other people think? How do we start talking about this? And what does it have to do with recovery? 
maybe nothing or everything. I lose my way so easily. Why am I even surprised that I can't remember? I'd overcomplicate the tranquility of a cloud floating by, minding its own business. No jagged edges, no adversaries to speak of, just a peaceful formation of moist, warm, rising air, cooling and expanding in the atmosphere. But if I stare long enough, I could easily convince myself that clouds got it in for me, deliberately trying to rain on my parade. You know what? Fuck that cloud, piece of shit. My mother used to say, Mary, you'd make a mountain out of a molehill. <laughs> like that woman would know what a molehill looks like. We didn't have a backyard or access to wild animals like moles. We lived in a city in America. She woke us all up once in the middle of the night, screaming her head off because she saw something across the street rummaging through the garbage cans. It reared up on its back legs when she flicked her cigarette out the bedroom window. For years, she swore up and down it was a giant cat wearing a mask. She refused to believe it was a raccoon until a neighbor growing grapes in his yard caught one in a trap and hung it from his tree with a rope around its neck to warn the others. Even then, she had a hard time admitting she was wrong. That might be where I get it from. And now I suspect I'm even further away from the point I was trying to make a little bit ago, but don't worry, I'll get us back on track. I just need a minute to collect my thoughts and a straightforward plan I can follow. There's a chapter in the main book of our beautiful literature that describes such a plan for those of us who struggle with lots of stuff. Alcoholism, drug addiction, busy brains, anxious hearts, uncorrected personality traits, life on life's terms. Simply stated, there is a solution. I find such comfort in these carefully chosen words. I love how the chapter isn't, hey, maybe give this a try and see if something sticks. There is a solution presents a bold expression of views and facts. It affirms that recovery works. The instructions are very basic. Clean house, trust God, help others. There is so much going on just underneath my hair and skin, the bone of my skull. I could use some protection from all that. I looked up the definition of solution because you know that's what I do. And here's what I found. A solution is a means of solving a problem or dealing with a difficult situation. Hmm. Addiction has been, without question, the most difficult situation I've ever encountered. So tell me more. A second definition reads as follows. A liquid mixture in which the minor component, the solute, is uniformly distributed within the major component, the solvent. So here's what I'm thinking. You just go ahead and fill my glass with vodka and just enough juice to color it orange. 
I'm always going to like my drinks nice and strong, even if it's only in my mind. I live in awe of the solution that saves my ass and restores me to sanity hundreds of times a day. It may come in the form of a meeting, a phone call with a sponsee, service work. I show up for my recovery as if my life depends on it because, well, it does. But I never wanted to get sober. I just needed to come up with a strategy where I could get my husband off my back and figure out how to stop all the pain I was in and causing others. Even though I didn't really want to talk about that last part because the way I treated everyone made me feel guilty and sad and frustrated and ugly and paranoid and self-conscious and resentful and defensive and all those difficult emotions I drank and used over because that's what me taking care of business looked like. Beer and wine and pills and speed and coke were my reaction to just about everything. Whether it was sunny or raining, if I was happy or heartbroken, when I got a new job or lost the one I had, I turned to drugs and alcohol to get up, to come down, to move or stay still, to think and not feel, to get lost and stay gone for as long as I could. Gone from these thoughts in my head, from the faces of people I'd hurt and the way they hurt me all the sketchy predicaments I found myself in, the drama. Of course, I suspected my inability to get and stay right had something to do with all the booze and the drugs, but I couldn't bear the thought of being without them. I didn't think I'd be able to stop. I was afraid to find out. It was all that I knew, and anything else I might have known kept getting swallowed up in the hurricane of chaos and despair that had become my life. And it sucks, and it's scary, and it's lonely, and it's hard, and I hate it. But on and on it went, and I along with it, drifting toward nothing and nowhere. To this day, I struggle to shake off how familiar the misery feels. Am I in it right now? I can be, if I'm not careful. Back to that place of upsetment and loss. I may not be drunk or high, but I'm just as restless, irritable, and discontent as if I were. I need that solution, the book outlines. The tools I see working in the hands and hearts of folks who grapple with some of the same challenges I face every day. I no longer feel so alone. The world is not as cruel and unforgiving a place as I once believed it was. Recovery grows my awareness of all sorts of new things. Oh my God, my life was such shit. I am so grateful to be in recovery. And it truly does get better. Sure, not every day is gravy but at least I get to keep moving forward instead of feeling stuck in that cycle of drinking and using, lying and stealing, hiding, the gloom and drudgery of self-imprisonment. So yes, there is a solution. These very words represent a healing grace that's made available to me when I trust God and work my program to the best of my ability. 
but I don't always want to. Sobriety is a lot of work, and I can be lazy. I like watching TV. I spend way too much time on Facebook comparing my flattering photos to what other people may or may not have. Go to a meeting every day. What? Share my innermost secrets with somebody else? Are you kidding? Call girls I just met and share my experience, strength, and hope? I don't know. That just feels weird. Okay, so perhaps I refer to the plight of the Native American more often than most folks. It's entirely possible. I can incorporate the details of his perilous set of circumstances into dang near every conversation. I can't explain why, but that's okay. I do believe the message contained therein remains sound. I think we can all agree that the Indians face lots of plights daily. Therefore, let's consider the particulars of the main one, survival in a challenging world. This definitely speaks to me. I am often in that place where my well-being is compromised by unexpected unpleasantness. Plus, I want my way. Being alive is the worst. Enter the North American bison. For lack of a better description, a giant cow munching grass and swatting at flies with the scrawniest of tails. Unassuming, peaceable, brown. What is it? I can only imagine one guy asking the other, punching at his empty stomach to make the hunger go away. No clue might be the response as the two men stare in desperate wonder across the plain. First guy opens up the conversation. Dig this, he says. I was talking to this dude on Thursday. He lives two hills and one valley over on the left. Him and a few of his buddies took down one of those beasts, picked it clean, made use of everything, right down to the bones and teeth. He didn't say it was easy, but man, the benefits. They've got weapons. His family's sitting pretty in a waterproof tent. The wife's wearing jewelry. Kids are fed. They all have toys. Homeboy's got this bitchin' vest with fringe. He looks like a rock star. Of course, second guy's all ears, so he keeps going. But I tell you what, something else is going on there. Something bigger. I can't put my finger on it. These folks were kind to one another. They worked together to get shit done. They made room in their circle shared their stories with me. One fella taught me how to whistle. I left there filled with hope. And here's the kicker. Dude says there's a solution to all our problems, pointing at the buffalo. And that animal is it. I envision these two young boys sitting quietly, contemplating a grim future. First guy continues, I hate to admit this, Steve, but I'm scared we're going to die out here if we don't do something different. Me too, bro. Me too. Shoulders deep in addiction, my best ideas led to my undoing. I dragged others with me. I don't think I meant to, but then again, maybe I did. That's just how this shit goes. 
the suffering spreads. My disease chewed up and destroyed everything it came in contact with. I don't ever want to go back there. I know I need that solution daily, that flicker of light in the darkness, and a friend to help me figure out what to do with it. <laughs> 